Welcome on into your Wednesday edition of the Locked On Syracuse podcast. Tyler Aki going solo today, halfway through your week. Be sure to check us out on Twitter at LO underscore Syracuse. Big news, expected news that dropped down for the Syracuse Orange basketball team for this week. Alan Griffin getting his waiver. I'll get to that in just a second. And some not so nice things that came out about SU football from Athlon, a bunch of anonymous coaches. One of my favorite articles that I see every year in college football is the anonymous coach report that Athlon football puts out. So I will get to that in just a little bit. But we start on the hoops front with Alan Griffin, who's getting that waiver from the NCAA. He will be eligible immediately. And I think we start with this. First of all, we all were expecting this this entire time. And now it was just merely a formality. But now you're excited because it's set in stone. It's official. First of all, I don't know what's taken the NCAA so long to finally rule down on Chris Bleich. These two guys... I mean, Chris Bleich transferred, what, back in like December or January, and we still haven't heard about him? He put out his waiver request, I believe it was in April. Alan Griffin transferred in April, and we still have no clarity on the Chris Bleich front. Yet here we are, and we know Alan Griffin, what he's going to do, even though that season might not start until we get to January or maybe even after that. Meanwhile, football, it looks like Syracuse right now is uh, is expected, well, not expected, Syracuse right now is slated to start in about three weeks. Believe it or not, I feel like football is about to blindside everybody once they finally kick off. But that's the reality right now that we're looking at with football, and we have no idea who is going to be one of the starters on Syracuse's offensive line because of this conundrum that they've been put into. All right, but let's get back to Alan Griffin because I think we start with this. What is he going to bring? We've kind of dove into this subject earlier and, and pretty much ever since we knew that he was coming to the Orange, but here's the big thing that I've always been privy to when it comes to what is Alan Griffin going to bring. Shooting is going to be so crucial to the Orange's success in 2020 because when you look at what made the Orange click last season, again, a lot of highs, a lot of lows last year. But this team needs its third shooter. They needed everything that Elijah Hughes gave them. And Alan Griffin, what he was doing last year at Illinois in about 20 minutes of work, it averaged out to maybe not Elijah Hughes levels, but if you per 36 it, and I know extrapolating is the dark evil of the statistics world. But if you were to stretch his numbers out to a per 36 basis, you're looking at a guy who can give you almost Elijah Hughes level numbers while shooting at a 40% clip from three. I mean, the points along with the rebounding numbers, for a guy that's six foot five in 20 minutes averaging four and a half rebounds. And I've always said this with Elijah Hughes too. I thought he was one of the best rebounders that Syracuse had last year. Maybe the numbers weren't there but if you were to throw a ball off the rim, and I imagine this is something Syracuse may do in practice at times, but if you were to just a, a rebounding drill, throw a ball off a rim, and you ask Elijah Hughes, and then you can throw in whatever centers you want, whether you want Jesse Edwards, Barama Sidibe, John Bowl, and, and now you're going to have Frank Anselm in that mix, Marek, Quincy. I like my chances with Elijah Hughes getting that rebound and seeing the numbers that Alan Griffin put up rebounding-wise. I like my chances with him to not even just pick up the slack that Elijah Hughes did, but maybe do even better than what Elijah Hughes did from a season ago. So that's what he's going to bring on the rebounding front. But scoring-wise, 
Again, you have to replace about 37 minutes of production, 19 points, and almost 15 shots. I think that can come close to happening because, again, you do have... You're going to have more shots for Buddy. You're going to have more shots for JG3. They're going to... You're going to have to somehow make up the offense of a guy who led the ACC in scoring from a year ago. That's not easy, but... You kind of have to do it in the aggregate. It, just to pull the money ball quotes, you're going to have to find the guys that added up to, to equal the on-base percentage that you wanted. And that's something that I think they can do. I'm not saying Alan Griffin's going to come out here and give you 19 points a night because I don't think he will. Could he give you 15? Could he give you 13, maybe 12? Absolutely. Absolutely, especially when the opportunity is going to be there because whether or not you like it, there are 37 minutes that need to be replaced from a season ago. And I think Alan Griffin is going to be responsible for 30 to 33 of that. And you couple that with the fact that you have Quincy coming back, albeit, and we talked about it yesterday, but albeit he's coming off of surgery and maybe a, a unorthodox offseason as well. And then by all accounts, it looks like Kadari Richmond is one of these prize gems that you're going to be looking at in this class. You saw the John Rothstein tweet, the the moles embedded in Syracuse have been telling him that Kadari Richmond is, is going to be the real deal for this orange roster. I don't know how confident I feel in, in all, all of these other pieces that Syracuse has to be that third option. I think Alan Griffin is clear-cut the guy. I mean, you look at it. Quincy, he had the surgery in the offseason. Robert Braswell, we weren't even sure he was going to be on the roster this season. He's also coming off of an injury, and really he just hasn't shown you a ton. I know he's a fan favorite, big Bobby Braz, but I I don't know what we're going to get out of Robert Braswell. He's shown flashes at times. Remember that NC State game two years ago where he was pretty good, but really hasn't given you a ton Woody Newton, we don't know what he's going to be. I like Woody Newton a lot, but we'll see if he's given the opportunity. Again, when you have to replace 37 minutes, it, it may be a little bit easier, but we know that Jim Beheim doesn't love the thought of always leaning on his freshman. And then Kadari Richmond, but he he's a guy who, again, Joe Girard and Buddy Beheim are going to play about 35, 37 minutes a night. I think Kadari is going to pick up the slack for those extra 5-3 to three at the 1 and the 2. And then on top of that, he's going to get whatever Alan Griffin doesn't take out of the, the minutes pie. So Alan Griffin was sold that he's getting 30-plus minutes. I think he's got a chance to be that third guy. And that, that's, that's what Syracuse needs so badly because I'm expecting Buddy Bayheim and Joe Girard to take a massive step next season. Massive step to the degree that maybe not first-team All-ACC, but if you told me that they were a second- and third-team guys or maybe a, a second and an honorable mention— I'm totally buying into that because those are the type of steps that those guys are going to need to take if Syracuse is going to be the team that blew out UNC to close out last season before the pandemic shut down the entire college basketball world. So I think Alan Griffin can be that third guy. And again, when you look at the, the quote-unquote big three that Syracuse had from a season ago, I think that this is where... You, you have to see, because Joe Girard was, I guess, by by scoring measures, he was the number three guy, right? It went, it went Elijah, it went Buddy, and then it went Joe Girard. Can Alan Griffin be better than what Joe Girard produced in his freshman season? I think that's the question you have to address now. 
And I got to say, I think he can. A, he brings experience. B, I mean, we know that he can shoot over 40%. Joe Girard was not a great three-point shooter last year. His efficiency was way down. Alan Griffin has shown, even though it was just 20 minutes a game, that he can shoot 41%. I think the year before that, he shot like 37% too. So you're going to get efficiency out of Allen, and if he can do it for 30-plus minutes a night, then yeah, I think he can be better than the, than the number three, quote-unquote, that Syracuse had from a season ago in Joe Girard. All right, coming up next, we'll get into whether or not this is good, because there are some people that wanted to maybe drag Alan Griffin's timeline along and maybe pair him up with Dior, so I will dive into that question. But first, I got to tell you about our friends over at rockauto.com. You know, this is that time of year you're using your car a lot because, hey, no one really wants to get into an airplane these days, so you're taking some road trips maybe, you're driving the kids to practice or whatever, And that means you're putting a lot of wear and tear on your car, and you may need to also maintain your car with everything that's going on right now with that excessive car use. And the best way to do it is by going to rockauto.com. Rockauto.com is the easiest way to get your car repaired, and it's a family-owned business serving auto parts customers online for 20 years. Be sure to go to rockauto.com to shop for auto and body parts from hundreds of manufacturers. They've got everything, engine control modules, brake parts, tail lamps, motor oil, even new carpet. RockAuto.com gives you a super easy catalog to navigate and guess what? You see all the parts available for your vehicle and you can choose the brand, specifications, and all that good stuff. Best of all, the prices at RockAuto.com are always going to be low and they're the same for professionals as well as do-it-yourselfers. Be sure to go to RockAuto.com and see all the parts available for your car or truck. Be sure to write locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you. Again, write locked on in their how did you hear about us box so they know we sent you amazing selection reliably low prices all the parts your car will ever need rockauto.com your projected 2020-2021 Syracuse basketball lineup we knew the backcourt heading into this year was going to be Buddy and Joe now you've got Alan Griffin sliding in at the three by all accounts when you look at the the tweets from John Rothstein and Matthew Gutierrez from The Athletic And then it's looking like either Marek or Quincy at the four, and then you will have Baram Sadibe rounding out the starting five. So that's going to be an interesting battle there for the four. I like Marek's chances at the moment just because he's got that experience, and he's not coming off a a surgery from over the offseason. All right, so I think the question now becomes, is this a good thing for Syracuse that Alan Griffin is going to be eligible immediately? Because... Some people were thinking, this kid's really good. I'd like to see him paired up with a senior buddy and a and a junior Joe. And then you get senior Joe, and then in comes Dior and the rest of that loaded class of 2022. And you also have the final season of Alan Griffin. But I am glad that this is happening now. And here's why. It's important to get the train moving on the three position right now because you are set up very well there for quite some time. Let's just look at your class of 2021 to start. So in comes Benny Williams, a guy who's very versatile, can play the three, can play the four. Alan Griffin's a guy who he can play the two, he can play the three. I don't love him playing the one just because he's not the greatest ball handler from what we've heard and seen a little bit of. But he's a guy, catch and shoot, make his own shot. He can rebound for you. He can rebound, and, and that's 
good to have out of the, your guard position too, especially in a zone defense. But I want I want to get this train moving now because 2022, you've got a chance to make a real splash. Barring some injury and extra redshirt that may come along, Alan Griffin will not be on this roster in 2022. But you will have Benny Williams in 2021 who can compete for some time at the four maybe. Who knows? Maybe he's the he's next in line after Marek to play the four and start for the Syracuse team. Maybe he grows an inch or two as well. Who knows? But he's a guy that Syracuse was sold on for his versatility as well. So that is why he can he can play alongside a guy like Alan Griffin. It may be a little bit of a small starting five, but again, you do have the zone defense, and if guys are in their spots, height isn't necessarily the biggest thing as long as you've got that length to, to play tall as well as rebound the basketball. And, and it looks like both Benny and Alan Griffin are guys that can rebound a little bit bigger than their frames may suggest. But it's important to get this train moving now because I want to see what happens in 2022. Because I, I don't think Benny will be a one-and-done guy. Wouldn't surprise me. I, I, he's got the talent, for sure, to, to play at the next level. But 2022, you could have a real chance to make a splash at the small forward spot. When you look at some of the guys, Chance Westry, a very talented wing, Jan Farrell, Kamari Lance, Ty Rogers, Justin Taylor. Syracuse is going to be in on a lot of these guys. And there's a bunch of other guys, too. Jarris Walker. Also a name that you got to float around there. He's one of the most highly touted prospects in that class of 2022. But you're set up very well at the three position. And I want to get Alan Griffin's timeline started now. Not not saying I want to push Alan Griffin out, but I want to have some continuity in place. Okay, I don't want... Because you're, you're looking at a chance to land one of the most talented threes in that class of 2022. I want to give him the chance to start right away, and I want that to be the recruiting pitch as well for them to start right away because that's how you're going to land some of these guys. These guys want to know about the the now. That's what they care about because a lot of these guys that you are going to be targeting in that class of 2022 have one-and-done aspirations. And if you can sell them on the fact that, hey, we've got a vacant spot at our three by the time that you get here, it can be yours. That's a very good selling point for a team that looks like it could have one of its best seasons ever in 2022. When you look at, hopefully, Dior Johnson coming in, and then couple that with a senior Joe Girard, Benny Williams, hopefully another big man can can come in and be a, a force for this team. Again, Kadari Richmond, it seems like he's going to be the real deal based on everything we've seen as well, at the whether it's the one, the two, the three, but... Syracuse is set up well to have long-term success at the three position, and that's why it's good Alan Griffin gets this waiver now as opposed to us waiting it out a little bit. We, we were expecting this to happen, and now I'm glad that it did. I'm glad I'm not blindsided by some report that, oh, Alan Griffin is actually not getting this waiver because then I think you're pushing yourself back. You're trying to set up this monster class of 2022 and I don't know if you can do it with Alan Griffin on your roster. First of all, you have the the scholarship conundrum. If Alan Griffin's on your roster, that takes that just takes away another spot from someone else coming in. But I think on top of that too, then you've got not just a, an open scholarship, you've got an open starting spot in 2022. And I think that would is just so so crucial to making some sort of recruiting pitch 
to some of these big name guys in the class of 2022. And now you can be set up at the three position through the 2022-2023 season. So that's that's my two cents on why this is all for the better, that Alan Griffin is eligible immediately. I just wanted to dispel any notion that some people were, were hoping that maybe he would get pushed back so there could be some mega team in 2022. Not that Alan Griffin's a bad player, but I'd, I'd rather have one of these other guys in 2022 because I think not just it helps your team, but it helps the, the face of your recruiting moving forward as well. All right, we'll talk some football in just a little bit because Athlon put out a bunch of stuff about what – it's a bunch of anonymous coaches talking about Syracuse football and their real, true, transparent thoughts on them. Well, and, and we'll also get into – I told you, we're looking at three three schools this week. And guess what? We talked about UNC yesterday and the other two – had some news from yesterday as well. So we will get into that in just a second. But first, got to get in a word with our guys from Built Bar because guess what? Built Bar is re-upping the protein bar game. Six new flavors coming to the Built Bar lineup, including, here are the ones that really caught my eye, caramel brownie and cookies and cream. I am really looking forward to that. I was really excited. I saw in my email the other day that I got a new Built Bar box coming my way so I cannot wait for that to come in so I can get back to snacking on these protein bars because there's no better way to reward yourself for a workout than with Built Bar because A, they're healthy, B, they taste like a candy bar, and C, you're just getting all these different benefits for your body. And they don't fill you up like they're an entire meal. They're the perfect post-workout snack or just a regular snack. You need something to get you through the day, a little pick-me-up from that working from home, Built Bar is the way to go. And right now, t- take a listen to this real quick, all right? Because they are giving away a free cooler with your purchase while supplies last. Yes, you heard me right. A free cooler with your purchase. It's only going to last about a week or so, so you're going to want to get on this ASAP. Go to BuiltBar.com, use the promo code Locked On, and you'll get $10 off your next order. Remember, this used to be just your first order, but now you will get it off your next order. Use the promo code Locked On, and you'll get $10 off your next order at BuiltBar.com. What is the old saying? Is it, if you don't have anything nice to say, don't say anything at all? Apparently that got lost on a bunch of ACC football coaches when they were talking about Syracuse for this upcoming season. So Athlon Sports, they put out one of my favorite articles for the college football season, not just for Syracuse, but all of college football. And it's it's anonymous coaches talking about each program within a conference. So when you scroll to the ACC and you get to Syracuse, you've got four little tidbits here that got released. So we'll start with this one. It could be a long year. They looked more talented in past years than in 2019, and the supply is only going downhill. Yikes. Next up, we've got that system pressures the quarterback to be such a smart, good player, and when the right talent isn't in there, they automatically put themselves in trouble. I don't know if that's an indictment on Tommy DeVito or the system that Dino Babers runs, but, I mean, Eric Dungy, he was definitely a, a smart, good enough player to, to run the system that Dino had in place. And it, I wouldn't say there's been some hiccups with Tommy DeVito because when we've seen the offensive line be good, then we've seen Tommy thrive. But when they haven't been good, obviously we get the result that we saw from a season ago. Next up, 
What offensive coordinator Sterling Gilbert should be able to do is help Tommy DeVito read little read things a little better. Maybe a, maybe simplify some decision making. So that that's kind of a, a positive review there for Sterling Gilbert. But again, I think that's a, a little bit of an indictment on the offensive system that's in place. And then the last one that we've got here, their offense needs to do something different. The general perception in the P5 is that tempo isn't as difficult to defend as it was five or six years ago. It feels like a novelty now, at least the way they run it. Well, okay, first off, with that with that last one, now Syracuse has been top seven in the country in total plays or in plays per game run, and that's ever since Dino Babers has arrived on campus and has promised this offense of fast, fast, and faster. But here's a couple of things that I take away from what was said. I think the gr- the grand thing that I take away is, is Syracuse's system too complex for the talent that they are bringing in? And... I know that we've seen talent get maximized within the system, and I think the system has created great players, and it's definitely created players as opposed to players that were truly, truly all-American level guys go out and explode and put up the numbers that they're expected to. Because we've seen guys, I mean, Amba Atatawu, when he came into Syracuse, he wasn't some big-name guy at Maryland. In fact, he pretty much doubled, if not tripled, some of his statistics in one lone season at Syracuse than everything that he had at Maryland. Steve Ishmael was not expected to be some all-American-level receiver. Yet we've seen this product that Dino Babers puts on the field churn out high-level players statistically. Perennially, this team is bringing in the bottom 10% of Power 5 recruiting classes. Year after year after year. And this is not just a Dino Babers thing. This has stretched back for years now. Really since the 24-7 era began. And it started to get me to think a little bit. Is is this system too complex for the talent that they're bringing in? Because you hear some of the things that were said there. And I, br- I get back to the one. The system pressures the quarterback to be such a smart, good player. When the right talent isn't in there, they automatically put themselves in trouble. If you're asking that much of your quarterback and you're already at a deficit in recruiting year after year, I mean, you, you got, I guess, Dino Babers, in terms of setting himself up for the future, he's gotten his guy. And hopefully he's gotten his guy again with Justin Lampson, a guy that we've had on this show, a guy that I really like. But if you're perennially bringing in a lower tier of recruiting classes, you might have to rethink how you, you go about forming your offensive system. Listen, I love the fast offense, but we've seen it get really ugly sometimes with some three and outs that it feels like your drive is over in 30 seconds, and then you got to throw the defense back out on the field. They're dog tired, and then we see the opponent go out and score in five plays or less. I don't think Dino is a bad recruiter. I just think he's in a tough recruiting situation. Because if you're going to recruit people to Syracuse, whether, I mean, this isn't just football, this is basketball, this is lacrosse, this is, I mean, beyond that, I mean, academics, you have to be selling a product if you want to spend four, three to four years in a place that's not going to produce very good weather, not a whole lot to do in the area as well, you're going to have to... You're going to have to prove that, A, you can get guys to the NFL, something that we really haven't seen a ton of, 
especially at big time positions. We've really only seen it out of the punter position lately. And on top of that, you have to have a product that shows that it is a winner, which we have not seen at Syracuse in quite some time. We've seen a little blips on the radar here or there, but we haven't seen a consistent winner come to the table. And that's what's going to to be a problem for Syracuse because if they want to maximize the system that they're in, and let me get this straight, I think the system can work. We've seen it work, especially when you have some of the qualifiers that a number of those ACC anonymous coaches pointed out. But I think at the, the end of the day, if you're not bringing in the talent that can handle this type of system, then you're in a little bit of a problem. And I think Dino is just kind of in a tough situation because this isn't the recruiting hotbed. New York doesn't produce the greatest of football players. You've seen him have to travel out, go down to Florida, North Carolina. We've seen South Carolina a little bit lately, Georgia. He's going down south for these guys because I think that's what he realizes he needs to bring in in order to make this system work. All right, let's switch gears a little bit in football because I told you, I told you last week, that I want to watch three schools in the ACC and how things go for the next week, two weeks, pretty much until Labor Day. So all of these schools, I believe, had reported zero cases after after the initial wave of student of uh, athletes returned to campus. You maybe had some some positive tests upon arrival to campus, but pretty much once practice got going, everything got ironed out. You're down to zero cases, and things were going swimmingly for a couple of weeks. But on August 17th, that's when the students came back. And I'm talking about UNC, I'm talking about Notre Dame, and I'm talking about NC State. And I said, I do not care that your total cases are zero right now. Again, that's good. It's good that it's zero. You don't want it to be like Oklahoma, where it's, what was it, nine, and they didn't even have students back on campus full-time yet. But once the students get back... I want to see if that number stays zero. We saw yesterday, or two days ago actually, UNC announced that it is going remote for at least the foreseeable future. They are going remote, if not for the entire semester. We saw Notre Dame announce yesterday they will be going online for at least the next two weeks because of COVID-19 outbreaks. And then yesterday as well, NC State had a big outbreak in its Greek houses. How is this going to impact the football team when you are asking them to blend their ecosystems with people who just frankly do not care? They don't care. I mean, I saw the video of of UNC. You've got all these people out there on this giant slip and slide. NC State, you're seeing the clusters in Greek life pop off. These students do not care. And now you are asking them, you're basically at their mercy for a college football season. And guess what? While I would imagine and and think a lot of them do care about a college football season, there's some that simply don't. They simply don't, and they simply never will. And you can't have a season go off if that's going to be the way that things are going to operate. You just can't. So college football has its best chance to go off if students are remote and you are you are keeping the football team in its own little private bubble as a subsection of the university you're not going to see this work if they're going to classes with all of these kids who just don't care 
they're being irresponsible. They're going out and partying, going to bars. I mean, we saw that picture down at Tuscaloosa, and the Alabama AD has called it out. We've seen a couple of players, I think, also call it out. It's not going to happen. This college football season was never on the mercy. It was never on the the responsibility of the players. It was on the responsibility of what the students are going to do. And guess what? The students don't care. They want to party. So, all right. That's going to do it for today's show. Tomorrow, we're going to dive into some ACC predictions. we kind of given you the coach speak of what everyone's saying about Syracuse. Now we're going to get into what David Hale, Syracuse alum and big-time college football analyst, thinks about the ACC heading into next year. And we'll also probably do some hoop stuff as well. All right? So we will dive into all of that on the Thursday show. Thank you so much for listening, and we will talk to you tomorrow. Tomorrow.